we have a huge show tonight. Um, I paused way too long between the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need you to fix that. <laughs> you know, I don't think I'm going to. That was uncomfy. <laughs> but anyway, um, and it's actually, we'll talk about it in a second, but it's filled with comic book <laughs> reviews. <laughs> Should I just start over? It's not great so far. <laughs> We're too far in. Just keep going. That's what she said. <laughs> anyway. I'm sorry already. Anyway. <laughs> um, so my question for you guys tonight. <laughs> what is uh, what is the first comic book or manga that you either remember or that resonated with you? Um, Matt, let's start with you this week. Um so I had to go searching for it because I knew the gist of it, but I couldn't remember exactly which issue. Um, I got to go on a camping trip with one of my grade school friends and the KOA campsite had like a little shop and his parents let us buy a comic from the rack to read on the way home to kind of keep us occupied. Um, that was my very first issue of Uncanny X-Men that I ever bought. And it was, I looked it up, issue 279, and it had Colossus on the front, which is part of the reason why Colossus has always been one of my favorite X-Men. Um, I don't know how many times I read that particular issue. I think I might still have it. It's not in good shape anymore. Um, but that was about the same time that X-Men cartoon came on. Um, and that was that was where it all I think began. Lydia. So as we all know, I don't really comic book a whole lot, but I do remember because I used to go to Lincoln Library all the time. Is my mic even on? It is now. Oh, okay. They <laughs> <laughs> couldn't hear me. Um, <clears throat> but I would go to Lincoln Library all the time to get books and stuff, and. Uh, found manga, manga section and started taking those home and I started reading Fruits Basket which kind of out of character because I'm not really usually that like girly and chick flicky kind of like storyline that storyline is really cute it got my attention right away I read the whole series from the library and I just remember like throughout the series at the end there was always like a little note from the author which was really cute and yeah, that was one of the first ones that I was like, I have to go back and get the next one. And then I go back and it would be checked out and I would be sad. Aww. So just a friendly reminder that the library is always there for you. Yeah. Just like Tabitha. Oh, that's not true, though. Um, <laughs> please leave me alone. Um, <laughs> um, I grew up loving comic strips. Um, I used to get the funny pages out of the paper all the time when I was a kid and I would read them and like even though I might not have known what was going on from my previous issues like I was very invested very invested in the family circle and then one time my dad and I were in a truck stop and I happened by uh, it was a Betty and Veronica like little mini like six inch high bind up of Betty and Veronica like Archie comics and I didn't know that they were in book form. I thought they just existed in the paper. And I like literally cried. I was so excited. Awesome. And I bought like five of them that day. <laughs> and then like 
the next time we went to a truck stop, I was like, I have to get five more. And so my dad was just like, what have I done? I've created a monster. So I read a lot of Archie comics as a kid. Nice. Um, Mine was actually also from Archie, but not Archie. Um, I still remember for Christmas one year, uh, my aunt and uncle got me a gift certificate to Reader's World, now 217 Comics, Cards and Games. Um, And so... Like, the first comic book that I bought with my own money, but not really my money, with my own gift certificate, (laughs) was Sonic the Hedgehog, number 43. Still remember the cover, like, plain as day, and I was obsessed with it. Um, Like Matt, I still have it not in good shape. Uh, In fact... I became really, like, super obsessed with Sonic the Hedgehog. So a lot of the comics that I have, like, are, like, I re-stapled them because the cover (laughs) fell off. That's how many times I read them. Um, But, yeah, that was, that's what what did it for me. There are four types of people. (laughs) There are. (laughs) They're all in this room. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, and Lydia. So, like I said, um, this is, this last couple weeks is a really good week to be a comic book fan. Um. Outside of the normal big two comic books that you see, we had the opportunity um, to read a lot of different indie comics, um, small press, things like that. Uh, So huge, huge shout out to brands like Vault, Oni Press, Tokyo Pop, Image, Saturday AM. Uh, Unfortunately, we didn't get to all of them, but we managed to read a good enough chunk that this is this episode so um if you wanted to hear us talk about peepsy or uh i don't know kfc like this is not going to be the episode for you but if you want to hear us talk about um such comic books as barbaric or monarch or what we're going to start off with the nasty um then this is the episode. <laughs> you um and like i said we're starting off with the nasty number one it's what it's called tabitha i didn't say anything you didn't have to we're changing the name of this podcast for a second i thought you were gonna say we're changing the name of this book and i was like i don't think we have that power so this book, it's written by John Lees with art by George Comedias. Uh, uh, it's from Vault. So Thumper Connell is an 18-year-old growing up in Scotland in 1994. He works at a video store and is obsessed with slasher films. But what happens when his store gets a film that is so scary that the British Moral Decency League wants to ban and burn it? Um, Lydia, let's start with you. So I wasn't sure what I was getting into with this comic simply because of the name. So I was a little scared about that. But this is like a really cute combination of 
horror films and like little comic book tropes i love the fact that you immediately are like oh thumper has an imaginary friend and it's just this humongous slasher guy from this movie he watched as a kid and the whole uh fact that the (laughs) uk government is trying to ban all these horror movies was a little too on the nose considering how like they're trying to ban books they're trying to ban all these things in the world right now it's like oh this hits home a little bit too hard but i love this book i cannot wait to read the second one i think we already have it and i might go home and read it tonight so i want to see where this is gonna go especially with the way it ended matt what'd you think um I enjoy this. I don't know that I'm quite as on board as Lydia is. I like, I do like the fact that, unlike most of the things we read, um, apart from the manga um, from Tokyo Pop, this is not set here in the United States. Um, so, like every once in a while, it caught me off guard a little bit with the slang, um, and I almost had to like pause to like understand what was being said in context um but at the same time i i enjoyed the fact that it was a little bit different um i like the general idea the art style is fun um i like the idea that they want to watch this film that's been banned but I, i i'm not quite like as much as a horror fan as i am with pretty much everything else like i'm not quite hooked yet um so I'm, I'm thinking probably issue two will help that. Um, but I did, as I'm looking over this again, there was one moment where um, Thumper's imaginary friend is standing behind him and Thumper says something. And then there's a blank, like not a blank panel, but just like them standing there. And then Thumper goes, shut up and walks away. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't even say anything. I'm like, they're on a wavelength. And uh, so you know that there's going to be more of that as this, uh, as this progresses. Tabitha. Yeah, I really liked this. Um, some of the times the single issue comics that we get kind of frighten me because I'm not great about being dropped off in the middle of something and it like tends to throw me off. Um, this kind of did that, but it also gave me just enough backstory to where I didn't really feel <coughs> like I was kind of floating in the ether when I started reading it and I got a little bit more into it. Uh, I really, really liked this and I'm with Lydia. Like I need to see where this goes. Um I think that the art was really cool. It lent itself to kind of like a slasher movie style in an art form, which was really interesting and really well done. Wasn't expecting that. And I am ready to see where the spooky vibes go. Next up, we're going to talk about Gunhild. It's by Fred Tornager from Saturday AM. So Gunhild is a Jotun who wants two things. To stop Ragnarok and to become a god. Uh, with the help of God of Mischief Loki and her human friend Liv, can Gunhild get the job done? Um, I started to read this last week, but then we ended up not having a show. So I was like, okay, well, I'll get back to this eventually. And then I got back to it this morning <laughs> and and finished it. And oh man, this book is so fun. Uh, I love how we are seeing these gods like, you know, Loki, um, 
Thor, Odin, you know, all these people who kind of thanks to the MCU, we have these visions of them and they do not look like those people at all. Odin looks like a hippie. He wears sandals. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, like this, this book is just, it's a lot of fun. Um, leaves you kind of leaves you on a cliffhanger. Like I was expecting for the story to kind of get finished up. I was kind of keeping track of the pages. And I was like, okay, maybe. And then like, I see like continued in volume two. And I was like, no, <laughs> like, yeah, this, this book is, it's just, it's fantastic. And, you know, poor Gunhild, she, you know, she is constantly being told that, you know, she's too young, too short, too whatever. And she's like, F off. She doesn't really say that, but that's kind of how I felt. Um, yeah, she was just like, I'm going, I, I want to do this. I am going to do this. No one is going to stop me. And I am here for it. And I am here for Gunhild Volume 2. Um, Tabitha, what'd you think? I love this. Um, like you said, we got like a different look at the gods. I especially loved how in this book they kind of uh, gave you like a bio of each yes. new like mm. god or creature <clears throat> or whatever that you were meeting. And the like little bio gave you like their theme song <laughs> and like yep. the theme songs were just so on point and the writing of this was just so incredible also gunhild is like incredibly relatable for me <laughs> as a small person full of rage um <laughs> there was a panel that like i straight up took a picture of it when i was reading because like she's so angry and they're like my god she's crying it's so cute because she's tiny and she's crying and she was like i'm not crying i'm angry rage crying is my favorite thing to do um <laughs> i do it like four times a day um that was super relatable the end of this where they like brought in all of the gods and they kind of like gave them all their like tiny little personalities granted norse mythology is not my like forte so i couldn't like make a whole lot of connection there but it was just so fun. I do wish we had gotten more of her little nematode, fire toad mm, little guy mm. whose name I can't remember right now off the um, top of my head. Newton, I think. Something. I just... Oh, maybe he's <clears throat> a newt. That makes sense. He's um, <laughs> <laughs> a fire newt? Uh, fire salamander? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, I wish we got more of, of him. There were moments where it was a little jarring because I couldn't like follow all of the panels because the art is very bright and there's a, kind of a lot going on and i have started slowing down when i'm reading graphic novels because i tend to miss things in the background because i'm so focused on the words and this i was trying to like pick smaller stuff out and it was kind of hard um like i said there were a couple of scenes especially where things were getting a little violent that i was having a hard time following the panels uh that was pretty much my only complaint though about this I thought it was really well done, and it was a lot of fun. Matt, what'd you think? I also really enjoyed this. Um, I, At least for me, the first couple of chapters um, were a little disjointed. Um, for me, it seemed about chapter four. The story kind of really picked up, got into a flow, and I really felt like I knew where this was going. Those first couple chapters, just there seemed to be time jumps from like one to two, two to three, and it took me a second to kind of gather myself and figure out like what had what had happened or what had occurred in that in that little time span. Um, 
I also love the slightly like the the differentiations between the MCU versions of these gods that we now know and the versions that are in this comic. Um, one of my favorite moments is actually when Odin shows up and one of my favorite books of all time is Krampus by Brom. And in that book, there is a mashup of Odin and St. Nicholas and Krampus against each other. And there are some demons that take like take part. And I just kind of thought that Brom had made them up for that book. But then these wolves, Gary and Frecky, show up that are part of Odin's, like, entourage. entourage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, I didn't do any background research, but, like, okay, they're a thing for Odin. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> just to be able to pull that in from a different source. Um, But, Mitch, to your point, like, when people tell Gunhild no, and she just, like, busts out her like firepower and is like i'm gonna punch you in the face because you're not gonna stop me that was fantastic i love it um i definitely am ready to see where this goes in volume two because i too was kind of thinking we like you do you get some closure you get the like uh, an end to an arc but i was i you know i knew it was volume one i was kind of expecting a little bit more so now i definitely need to see what happens from here on out. I'm going to stick with Vault uh, for a little bit, and we're going to talk about Barbaric Hell to Pay number three. Um, Matt, you read this one. I'm super jealous of you. Um, Barbaric is always one of my favorite comics. Uh, what'd you think this time? Oh, let me actually, I apologize. <laughs> let me, let me talk about <laughs> it, even though I haven't read it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, written by Michael Morecki with art by Nathan Gooden. Like I said, it's from Vault. Uh, so we meet Soren's mysterious mentor, Sarah. Uh, meanwhile, can Owen, Deadheart, and Frogly pull off the perfect heist? Um, Matt, tell me why I need to catch up on Barbaric instead of editing this podcast. Um, because... Like, we read some of the early issues, and then we picked back up with issue one of Hell to Pay. Um, I guess I didn't really realize, because I did reread uh, one and two and three for this. Um, but um, Barbarian or Barbaric is literally trapped in hell and trying to find his way out. Um, and at the same time, steal a vampire and Soren, the witch along with Axe, are trying to basically break into hell to rescue him. So you've got these, like, Barbaric is trying to get out of hell, uh, but at the same time, he is found, he's found out that there is a demon that has been pursuing him for years and is now, basically, now that he's got him, tra got him trapped in hell, like, he's coming for him. Um, so he ends up with a face-to-face -face with, uh, with this demon and like the demon is, is, is not going to stop until he gets what he wants. Um, there are, again, it's the ax is phenomenal. The, the chirpy humor from the background from ax just, it doesn't get it. It, it just continues to be absolutely amazing. Um, there is 
a interesting butting of heads between Soren and Sarah um, as her mentor and um, what she's taught her to do. Uh, so that's that's a fun that's a fun clash that uh, knowing that this is going to come to a head pretty soon will be fun to watch play out. And next up is the mayor. Uh, it's written by Seth Martell from Graphic Mundi. Uh, Indigo has her own demons during the day, but is still haunted by other things at night. Uh, her dad is going through a public divorce. Uh, she lost her job, and her stress is causing sleep paralysis. Or is it? Um, Tabitha, let's start with you this time. I love those. Um, I had like started this last week, kind of like you had started uh Gunhild and I did not get into it. I read like four or five pages and I was like, there's no way I'm gonna finish this. And then since instead of us getting the cro- the con crud from C2E2, uh my dog got the con crud. And your <laughs> dog wasn't even there. I know, I must have brought it home to him. Um I loved the coloration of this. Like the moments where th- there was just enough blue to like catch your eye like this was just incredibly well done art style wise um the story had like just enough horror to it to make it super interesting um the characters were so different and i I find in a lot of graphic novels and comics that sometimes the characters all like seem like the same person just in a different font um they were very different and the way their faces could portray their emotions and this was incredibly well done i i wanted more i wanted this to be longer i wanted there to be more to the story i wanted more background like i just wanted more of this i am hopeful that this continues there was these incredibly spooky moments i've had sleep paralysis i know what that feels like it's absolutely terrifying so it was like triggering and uncomfy and beautifully written and the friendship is great um, my only kind of gripe with this was that it like almost came to a head too fast. Like we had a lot of buildup and then like kind of like a very quick resolution. I wanted, I wanted more, I wanted more detail in that resolution. Um, this was just really beautiful. Like it was a really beautiful, spooky story. That would you think? Yeah, there were some, some of the panels that where she is, the coloration and where she's, experiencing her sleep paralysis are both beautiful and almost frightening at the same time. Um, like the images that she's seeing and the coloration of the background and like the shadowy shapes um, that she is seeing and can see her. It's, it, it's disturbing. Um, and I, I love the little bit of color that pops throughout this. You get her hair through most of this with just a little bit of blue. Um, there's little pops of red here and there. Um, the, the relationship with her dad is definitely very interesting. Um, as they're both, they're both fighting demons, but of different kinds. Um, and watching them, them do that together, like alone together is really interesting. Um, I do have to agree with Tabitha that I think there was a lot of buildup and the resolution came a little quick. Um, like it was one of those where like, you've got the buildup, 
you know something's coming, and then you kind of get the info dump explanation, um, and then the the end of it and the resolution. Um, <clears throat> but apart from that, yeah, I have to agree that this was this was very well done. Um, and as much as I'm not always a fan of the black and white comics, this one had just enough pops of color to really like pull you in at the right moments. Next up is My Coworker Has a Secret, Volume 1. It's by Mushiro from Tokyo Pop. So Akari is obsessed with Pretty Boy Isle Rinrin, and it costs her. Literally. Uh, almost destitute. She is, uh, a kind stranger offers help and finds out her secret. Uh, turns out her kind stranger turns out to be her new coworker. Um, Lydia, you are pretty far ahead in this book. What, what are your thoughts so far? So very much typical, like romancy story manga going on, but <laughs> poor Akari is literally her own worst enemy. Like she is so obsessed with this. Uh, musical actor that she has spent all of her money on him she ends up homeless she ends up like not eating any food and she's terrified of her co-workers finding out that she's a fam girl because she doesn't want them to make fun of her and not be her friend anymore <laughs> i can understand the uh you know being a little terrified of being <laughs> your full-on obsessive nerdy self <laughs> so that kind of stung a little bit but I got far enough in that I can kind of see just from like a typical manga standpoint where this is going to go, especially with her and uh, her coworker slash savior Kazama. But I'm curious to see if how I'm imagining it's going to go is actually the way it's going to go or if they're going to surprise me because who knows? They may surprise me, and it may not end up with her ending up with him like every other manga that goes this way. So <laughs> we'll see. It's really cute. Um, one of the issues I have with it is one issue that I have with most of these style of manga is that it's very difficult to tell the difference between a lot of the girls. Mm. They all look <laughs> the same, even the main characters. So I wish there was a little bit more differentiation between who is who in the office. But past that, it's cute. I'll probably finish the rest of what I've got to read just to kind of see if it is going to go the way I'm thinking it's going to go. But that might take me a minute. So next up is Amelia Airwood, Basic Witch. Uh, it is written by Emily Hampshire and Elliot Rahal with art by Kristen Goodsnook. Uh, it's from Z2 Comics. So Amelia comes from a famous family, um, famous family of witches, but she's kind of an outcast. Uh, with her family turning her back on her, it's up to Amelia, with the help of her Yeti brother named Spaghetti, uh, to prove that she has what it takes to be a bad witch. Bad in a good way, not bad in a bad way, because she's already bad in a bad way. But anyway... <laughs> You just hurt my brain. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are a lot of really good things about this uh, book. And um, if Emily Hampshire kind of rings a bell to you, she is from Schitt's Creek. That's probably what she's most famous for. Um, but yeah, this at its heart, I mean, this is a really 
good story about you know again kind of kind of along the lines of Gunhild of you know a girl like having to prove herself. I think with Amelia where it it trips up over itself on a couple of different occasions. Um, it breaks the fourth wall a lot, which is fine. Um, I mean, you know, uh, I love a, a good story that does break the fourth wall. But I almost feel like it did it too much. And it did it at times where it's like, okay, we're getting really to a really, you know, important part of the story. And then it just drops off because now she's going off on, the t- on this tangent. Um, like I said, like a, a, a few times... Awesome, perfect. But I think that they were, I think that they went too hard on that. Um, outside of that, you know, the, the characters I thought were fantastic. Um, you know, I really loved uh, her brother Spaghetti, and I'm not going to spoil how he became a Yeti, but um, if you know that Amelia is really bad at being a witch, you can probably, you can probably connect some dots here. Um, yeah, I, it's, if it weren't for, if they had maybe like two fourth wall breaks less, I would have been all in on this book. But, um, Matt, what'd you think? Um, I actually did not get to read this. Oh, I thought you did. Nope. 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 Never mind. <laughs> Tabitha, what'd you think? You just confused me and Matt. <laughs> they say you start to look alike once you've been together for a while. I Fair. must dress alike. <laughs> if I start growing a beard, it's all over. All right. <laughs> I loved this. I loved the fourth wall breaks. I honestly wish there were more fourth wall breaks. And I will tell you why. Um, Not only is Amelia a bad witch, she is a melodramatic, confused, anxious, anxiety-ridden teenage girl. I feel like you just described me. (laughs) (laughs) The fourth wall breaks... Especially the ones where she, like, made, put herself in costume were, like, resonating. Because you're, like, trying to... Hi- she's trying to hide who she is because she thinks she sucks. And she's trying to cover up the things that are happening in the background. Because when something goes bad is when those fourth wall breaks were happening. Or where she was feeling ashamed. Or she was feeling like her mom didn't like her. Or she was feeling like she made somebody mad. Or she didn't have a friend in the world. She made a fourth wall break. And she was trying to connect with you because she couldn't connect with the people in the panel. That was incredibly well done. And, like, that's how I put that together. Um... Emily Hampshire is a very anxious person. Like, I follow her on social media. She's had a lot of, like, anxiety problems in the past. And I feel like she put some of herself into that character. And it's, like, as someone who is, A, anxious right at this very moment, but was an anxious teenage girl, like, you, that, like, immediate turning to the the audience, who's now your only friend and putting your, putting your disguise on, was, like, it almost brought me to tears a couple of times because I saw what was happening and I could tell what she was doing um the family was great the brother was fantastic the art was incredible like this is probably one of my favorite graphic novels i've read in my entire life awesome thanks for thanks for proving me wrong i'm really good at that you really are (laughs) um i do have one question yes there, there's a yeti that makes spaghetti. You'll have no. He doesn't make He's spaghetti. named spaghetti. His name, oh, yes. even better. Yes, spaghetti the yeti. I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, totally forgot to mention. Uh, Amelia Airwood l- looks exactly like Emily Hampshire. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, which I mean, <laughs> yeah. I am sure that was done by design. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and 
And one thing that I remembered because I this was another one that I had read a couple weeks ago. But like the scene where she gets her like she put does the spell or whatever to get in her matching tuxedo and she gets the witch hat stuck to her head. That was fantastic. <laughs> I I really truly loved that part. I feel like this is how I would be if I was a witch. Because I would be like, I would be really good at this, but I'm not. Like, <laughs> confidence would be there. Execution would not. So next up, going back to Vault, uh, End After End, the number six. Uh, it's written by Tim Daniel and David Andre, with art by Sanandro C. Uh, so the source of all darkness in the End After End arrives and goes straight to our heroes. Uh, with the relic that Walt has, can he be the hero he wants to be? Uh, we read the first issue of this way back when and i really enjoyed it then and fell off hadn't hadn't read any of the other issues and so i kind of jumped at this one especially when vault was gracious enough to give us the whole series so far um this is a really intense interesting story um kind of a little refresher or whatever so walt like in the first two pages of issue one gets hit by a bus and dies or by a subway and dies. Um, and then he gets, tra- oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm remembering this one. <laughs> so he gets transplanted to what's called the end after end. It's basically not quite purgatory, but it's like, you know, it's, it's full of dead people, but you're not quite in heaven or hell or whatever. Uh, and he is thrust in this war he meets, um, well, he has a guide, and then he also meets this other human who he befriends. Um, but it's just, it's a really interesting story of this guy who has spent his entire life, you know, again, I'm kind of noticing a theme, trying to be more than he is. You know, you see throughout the series where he, you know, his parents and his significant other, like, have all told him, hey, maybe this whole arting, arting? That's not a word. <laughs> this whole being an artist thing maybe isn't for you. <laughs> um, but he's like, no, this is what I want to do. This is this is who I am. Um, but yeah, so like he, he, he is spending his whole afterlife trying to be more than who he was among the living. And... It's a really interesting journey. Um, it's it gets confusing at times because there is a lot of back and forth. There's some flashbacks, not even just flashbacks of to when Walt was living to now, but even like flashbacks of when he's all already in the end after end, and you're still seeing that. But uh, overall, like this is a really the, this this book. It's it's kind of at times a bit of a mind f, but in a really good way. So, last book that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, it's been a marathon, guys. <laughs> I'm proud of us. <laughs> so, uh, Monarch number three. It's written by Rodney Barnes with art by Alex Lenz from Image Comics. Uh, with an alien invasion... Of invasion? Who are you, me? He's thinking about going to that Thrillbillies game. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply for that... Uh, the Thrillbillies. It's a, long, it's a long way to drive for a summer job, my dude. <laughs> oh, I'll I'll stay down there. It'll be fine. Oh, sweetie. <laughs> I won't need shoes. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> or 
or toothbrush. Don't take that either. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) an alien invasion hits and starts wiping out the human race. Um, Trayvon finds out more about his past after he is abducted by these aliens. Um, Meanwhile, betrayal strikes at Trayvon's school with some of the only survivors. Uh, Man, I loved this book. Wow. (laughs) I... I read this last night, and I'm going to apologize. I didn't take as much notes as I wanted to. Um, all of the other supporting characters, I do not remember their names. But um, Trayvon, like, that uh, struck out of me, not only because he's the main character, but, I mean, I couldn't help but think that he was named that for a specific reason. Oh, yeah. You know? um, <clears throat> but we find out that when he is abducted by these aliens he's not really being abducted because he is one of them yep. and we find out in this third issue uh how that comes to be um the scenes in the school with trayvon's uh kind of maybe girlfriend and his at the time i guess kind of best friend or at least someone that he is friends with and then a couple of the other students um that it's kind of weird because like with this whole alien thing you're getting this um sci-fi vibe but then with the high school it's definitely turning horror movie because one of these students uh this whole thing has gotten to him in the worst possible way um at the time, I wasn't. I didn't know how much I was here for, like the total mixing of these two genres. I thought it was a little bit jarring, but like now that it's kind of marinated a little bit, I'm like, I'm here for this. I'm really interested to see where it goes from here. I need to know more about Trayvon's past. I need to. I have a feeling that his uh, foster mom and god sister mm. are still here somewhere like i i feel like they've been too important to the story to not be so i really want to see them again um matt what are your thoughts this is phenomenal um i got to the end of this issue and i'm like i I had that that instant instant hangover like i need issue four like i need to know how this keeps happening um it was a it was a big enough shocker to find out that Trayvon was put on earth by the aliens to help them learn about humans. And then when they show back up and take him back into the ship, they're like, Oh, by the way, you are one of us. And he's like, what? like his realization at the same time that you're seeing what's happening is phenomenal. Um, the the other little realizations like the fact that his um his foster mom saw this spaceship years ago when he was he was basically like dropped off here before he like became a boy um like the, she knows that he's not human like his um like his foster sister knows that he's not human it was like they knew and he didn't was incredible. Um, like, and now he is, it's fantastic because there is that, 
that sci-fi trope of being stuck between two worlds because he didn't know, he didn't remember anything prior to ending up in this foster home. So now all of a sudden, everything that he's known about being this foster kid, being bullied, um, which is another great like layer to this story is him dealing with the bullying. Um, but then he, him like realizing his whole world is flipped upside down because he is an alien and everything that he knows is basically wrong. Um, the way that this is presented is just, it's great. Um, the art is awesome. It's, um, it's dark thematically at the right times. There's pops and brightness and color. Um, like the moments where some of like the more like heartfelt conversations are happening, everything is brighter in color. Um, it, it's just so well done that, uh, this I'm I'm gonna absolutely have to keep going with this because these little teasers at the end of issue three with the covers for like issue four and five, I like I, I gotta know. All right, so that wraps up our uh, pull list palooza. Well, what? <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> anyway. Um, so like I said earlier, all of these books you can find now, um, do yourself a favor, buy all of them. Um, just do it. I don't even care if you read it. Just buy them. <laughs> um, but yeah. Support uh, indie comics. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so this was really fun. Thanks for geeking out with us and we'll see you next time, guys. That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Geek Awakens Podcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens. Theme music created and produced by E. Cannon Beats. Our logo was designed by Shay McCain. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We're boldly gone. <laughs>